This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. Mike to tell you along with Herb Tyler. We're live at Acme Oyster House here in Baton Rouge, 3535 Perkins Road. Come on down and visit. Uh, we'll be here until 4.30 this afternoon. Jason, the crew, got we got a big crowd here today. And That's so right. we've got great specials, food specials, drink specials, right before LSU, Florida. And uh, we want to also thank Map Construction. Always a great presenter of our Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgate Show right here at Acme Oyster House in Baton Rouge. Okay, Herb, I'm getting right off the bat. Memories, LSU, Florida. Uh-oh. For you. Uh-oh. It depends on which year you're talking about, right? <clears throat> okay, so we'll, we'll split them up then. We'll start off at 96. Okay. Wasn't a good year for the Tigers that year, right? <laughs> okay, so, you know, Florida won a championship that year, and uh, we went into Gainesville, and we were thinking we were going to go in there and make something happen. We walked out 63 to 10 uh, points later, and that was it. But you know what? The following year, Florida was ranked number one, and they came to Baton Rouge. And that's when something special happened, a magical night that night. We took down the number one ranked Florida Gators, 28-21, and all we could do was think about how beautiful of a night that was. <laughs> now, the thing about that week, though, you know, prior, prior to that game, going up to that week, we practiced uh, something called a Chinese bandit on the defense side, right? And what that meant was basically you had your, your number one team, your starters up, and then uh, throughout the particular – Man, that's guess, Paul Dietzel, uh, uh terminology. Yeah, yeah so, yeah, the Chinese, the Chinese bandit. So what happened was we had our starters go in, and then the next series we had our, our, our second team go in, then the next series the third team would go in. So your starters on defense never got tired. So what that did was that really helped solidify a good pass rush – uh, we stopped their, their run game pretty well. They had, man, Fred Taylor was a beast. But we took him out that game, though. He played very well. Um, but, you know, I scored two touchdown passes, uh, two touchdown rushes, one for 45, one for 15. Um, it was a magical night. It was special. I, I, can't, I can't think of another night that, that could, I guess, mimic that or match that in a way that it made me feel like as far as surreal, being like not so much into my body, kind of being an out-of-body experience and it was a wonderful wonderful time and i still have that that the greatest photo that i have from the advocate hanging on my wall right now and this it's, it's a beautiful thing because you know why i'm the guy <laughs> i'm the one <laughs> only thing you didn't the only thing you didn't make um i remember the following week cover of sports illustrated kevin falk got on there so and big kev got on there uh he got on the cover of sports illustrated so every year 
uh, on that date, I always post it. You know, because that that's special. Man, back then, Sports Illustrated was looked at differently than what it is today. Uh, totally, totally different. But, man, to be on the cover, you knocked off number one ranked Florida. And even better, Spurrier was coaching. Spurrier was coaching, and his visor was hitting the ground every five minutes. And I loved it. It was a beautiful thing. And I'm going to say this, Mike. You and I are friends, right? Kevin and I are friends. You and Kevin are not friends. I don't need you to post that anymore, okay, just because he should not have gotten the cover of that because I was the one that scored all the touchdowns. He didn't score anything. So, But he and I laugh and chuckle about that all the time, and it was a great photo. It was a wonderful thing for us as a team, and the, the caption read, see you later, Gators. And I love that. That was a beautiful thing. And, but, and then what happened the following week? We're not going to talk about the following week. <laughs> Because everybody, if Deuce, they always got an Ole Miss fan that write me, hey, ask yeah. him what happened the following week. So if Deuce, if Deuce was here, he knows what happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, but look, we're not going to talk about next week yet because we still here Florida week, baby, because <laughs> the Gators are in town and they're going down again. That's what we're going to make happen tonight. People don't realize, and <laughs> we don't know how the schedules will be down the road, but this has been one of the A most rivalry. hated yeah. rivalry games because everybody looks, uh, you know, Alabama, LSU. And, and because it meant something, it means something in the West. But uh, I'll never forget, I had a guy, God bless him, he passed away years ago. Joe LaBruzzi was running back uh, yep. from Lockport, and uh, he played at LSU. Same time as uh, Coach Don Swab. They, he's from Chack Bay. Yeah. And so they knew how to talk French. Down the yeah. oh, they were on the, down, way down on, they the were bayou. on the bayou. So they were in the backfield together. Yeah. And first time they ever played in Gainesville, the uh, Bruiser told me the story first, and then Swab told me the story afterwards. Coach, he was like, Mike, we were told, make sure you keep your helmet on when you get to the sidelines. You know, LaBruce was like, what? I keep my helmet on? What's up, man? Man, he said, all of a sudden, I, I feel it, like ping, ping, <laughs> ping. They were throwing change at him. Now, he, Joe, he's been passed away now. It's, it's over 35 years. Joe <laughs> said he left out of there with like $2.80 worth of change that he was picking off the ground. Now, that part I would believe. Now, Schwab said he kind of stretched it to $280. But he said, I think he did get over $2 worth of change. Man, the Florida fans were throwing like spare change at him, yep. hitting him in the helmet and said, we realized why we were told to keep those helmets on. So, you look, back then, the, the nickel and the dime and the penny went a long way. Today, <laughs> they, they ain't throwing nothing at you. But, but F-bombs and other kind of cuss words, that's it. And it's a – Florida, it, Gainesville is a very tough place to play for one reason is because the stands are literally right behind the, the players' benches. And they literally talk to you the whole entire time. So you have to really be focused on the game and, and, and kind of tune them out and dis be disciplined enough to not listen to the, the crap that comes out of their mouth and when they, when they say crazy stuff. So, you know, it, it's this Florida rivalry, to go back to that, Florida's been, what, uh, playing against LSU since, what, the late 60s or so? Something like that. Oh, and it's, it's been a, it's a long, long time. And the Alabama rivalry now is something special. But for me, the big rivalry that always have been was Florida, even though they got the best of us two times. But at the end of the day, that's a very tough, tough team to play, tough place to play. And whenever they come into town, we know we're going to get out of them. They're going to have their number one team coming in, ready to play. They're going to be ready to, to, to run the ball down your throat to throw the ball all over the field and they're going to blitz, blitz, blitz and blitz. I remember Javon Kurtz and uh, Kelsey 
when I played, and I'll give you another story here. So Kelsey was one of their linebackers, number 47, and he was a, he was a, a, a bad boy. Now, he was really good. Um, so I'm playing, and this is in 97, with the same game that we went in. So I'm, I'm, I'm dropping back the pass, five-yard drop, a five-step five drop, and Larry Foster's running a, a fade. And I take five steps, and I let the ball go, right? It's about 45-yard pass. I watch the ball leave my hands. I watch the ball get in the air. I watch the ball go up, or Larry go up to go get the ball, and Larry hits the ball, and the next thing I see is my feet. Because I got hit by Kelsey about 30 seconds late, and he hit me square in the chest, and my over end, and my feet was in the air, and my head was on the ground. I thought I was dead. And it was third down. And coach came, I went back to the sideline after they came and got me up off the field. And coach asked me, I asked coach, I said, coach, what's the next play? He said, punt, it's four down. <laughs> so it was not Well, I'm glad field. he straightened you out on that. He did straighten me out. But it's one of those things where and there was no flag, just like last week against Jaden Daniels in Alabama. It was a late hit. There's no flag, none of that. So it was, um, it was a peculiar play, and it was something that I'll never forget because that was probably the hardest hit that I've ever experienced in my life, and I didn't see it coming. That's why it was the hardest hit because I'm watching the ball in the air down the field. Once Larry goes up to try to catch it, then all of a sudden my feet, I see my feet and I'm in the air. He didn't do it as many times, but at that moment in time, Spurrier was saving of today. He was different. So what do you mean by that? In essence, Florida dominated the oh, yeah, SEC. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They, they were the dominant team. Yeah, they were. They were the dominant team. And they did it in a different way than Saban did. I mean, you know, they threw the ball. <laughs> they were fun and good, man. Yeah, yeah. We didn't see that before in the SEC. No, no. It, it's weird because they were fun and gun and all of that stuff. And then all of a sudden, the SEC went back to the, you know, the ground and pound, the three, three yards in a cloud of dust. But I, I think the thing about Spurrier that made him so special was he was a great player's coach. And all of the players that played for him loved him. And, they, and he would always put them in great positions. Their offense wasn't that this, this, this uh, intricate, uh, well-designed offense. It was simple. You got, you got triplets on the left, and you got another receiver singled on the, on the right side, right? The two outside guys on the left are running hitch routes, and the inside guys running the corner or his post. And it depends now on what the safety is doing. That's it. it now cover covered. that. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't anything special, but it was just really – um, um, I guess just loose and fun, loving and, and, and just an experience. And to watch Danny Waffle and those guys play in 96, it was amazing. But, you know, in 97, we took them down, and that's all I'm going to be. Spurrier, years later after all this, he always would talk about my best Florida teams were the one that could run the ball. Yeah. Because we always could throw it. That was his deal. We always could pitch and catch it. But, man, when we had the running game, ain't nobody stopping us. Yeah, no one. And I played against – them when they had Fred Taylor and Fred Taylor was just, <laughs> I mean he was 6'2 225 pounds of all man with 32 goals in his mouth and he was running as fast as any DB that we had and he was he was special but and Spurrier can say that because he had all these different teams I saw one team and I thought that the balance of what they did was still not as balanced as, as you would think because they were throwing for 350 yards a game, but running for 150. So to me, that's not balanced. You're still balanced would be 250, 175, 200, 200, you know. But at the end of the day, they, they, they had no choice but to throw the ball because they receivers, they had the, all the top-notch receivers. They had the best quarterback in the game when they had Danny Waffle for those two years that I played against him. And then they also had a really great large offensive lineman and defensive lineman that were at, more athletic than everybody else in the country.
years ago uh, when Coach O was uh, head coach at LSU, I asked him, what's the difference now? You see it in Miami or Florida, Florida State, uh, Florida. Then when you were at Miami, because he was at Miami, he was an assistant coach mm-hmm. there all those years. He said, Mike Lyman. Yeah. He said, offensive, defensive lineman. He said, it was underrated because we always had the big-time running back, receiver, defensive back, a, a really good quarterback. But he said, lineman, that, that's what made all those teams so special. They had yeah. special, what do you say, skill players, yep. a skill band at 300-and-something pounds right. that can run right. and, and, and be as powerful as he can and be explosive as he can. That's what he used to call as a special player. And I yeah. thought that made the difference for <clears throat> – at LSU, I remember when I first came in, we had Gabe Northern, we had um, Chuck Wiley, we had Booger McFarlane, we had um, James Gilliard. Those guys were athletic on the defensive lineman side. They were big, giant guys, but they were athletic. They could play basketball. They could move side to side. They had really good hips. Um, and then on the offensive side, we had Alan Fanica, Todd McClure, Ben Borderline. Like, these guys could actually move. And, uh, and they weren't just large men that could move other people. They could they could maneuver their body in ways that was great. And so leading up to that Florida game in 1997, so Jared Donardo was one of these hard-nosed, pound-you-to-the-ground coaches that worked your tail off from Tuesday to Friday to get ready for the game because that's what he thought. You know, you know, the old school saying is you work hard, you get everything that comes behind yeah, it. Yeah, but you leave you a know, lot of that on that practice field too. But what you do, sometimes you got to yeah. work smarter yeah, exactly. in order to get better, right? So what happened was we would do nine on sevens and all these Oklahoma drills and all of this stuff leading up to each game. But against Florida, we didn't. He cut back on those drills, those type of hard-hitting drills. We had shells on, which is just helmet and shoulder pads, no, no pants, if you will, um, with pads in them. And then what we did was he went from 32 periods, which each period is like five to eight minutes of practice. And there's different things that you do in each period. Then he cut it from 32 to 22. So essentially he cut off 30 minutes of practice each day for us. So we were able to get our legs underneath us. We were fresh. We wasn't beat up throughout the week of practice. And I think that really helped. And guess what he did the following week? Went back to what it was before. <laughs> back to the That's, That's why, why y'all lost. lost Ole Miss. Exactly. That's exactly why we lost Ole Miss. The, we'll be back with more of the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show presented by Map Construction. We're here, <laughs> 3535 Perkins Road here in Baton Rouge. Come on by and visit us. Got a great crowd here, but we've still got a few tables open. Great food and drink specials. And it just ended. Tulane, 24-22 Nine and one. over with Tulsa. Ooh, man. Yes. Um, you know, Tulsa, they know where will be the team. But you know, at the end of the day, it's always it's, about what? W's? about W's. That and is and it. how you win, it doesn't matter. Unless you're gambling, then you're not too <laughs> thrilled with Willie Fritz today. We'll be back with more of the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show right after this break. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. We're back here on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. We're at 3535 Perkins Road, Acme Oyster House. Come on by and visit us. 
Got a great crowd here now before the LSU Florida game, and they got great food and drink specials. Also, we want to thank Map Construction for being our presenting sponsor. It's now, it's now time for our Thibodeau Regional Health System Tiger Scout Notebook brought to you by the Sports Medicine Center at Thibodeau Regional Health System. want to thank Greg Stock, everybody there, always being great supporters of not only uh, LSU but Nickel State, youth sports throughout our region. Herb, before we get into the notebook, I want to tell you this stat. Um, Michigan beats Penn State today 24-15. The winning quarterback was seven of eight for 60 yards, J.J. <laughs> McCarthy. Man, what? Come on, Herb. You'd have put up a lot better numbers than that. Hey. Now, now here's the other part. At least went eight for eight. <clears throat> they rushed the ball 46 times against Penn State. Yeah. That Penn State defense is damn good. Now, their offense is pooty, as they would say <laughs> on the bayou. That's not real good. No, yeah. Jason, imagine, he, he can tell you what pooty means. It's not good. It, not it good. is not good at all. No. But, man, when you run the football that many times, you pound away at them. But think about J.J. McCarthy today, 7 of 8, 60 yards passing. Hey, he's got a, a hell of a high percentage right there. I'm going to tell you that. So it may, it may not yeah. be a lot of yards, but he's connecting on some passes. But my son and I were watching that game earlier today, and we were just astounded by how many times Penn State was running the football. We didn't even take into consideration Michigan until right before we left home. And so we saw that, and we're like, man, this is the most boringest game we've ever seen since Les Miles and Nick Saban in 2011. Oh, it's pretty close. Yeah, that's that 9-6 <laughs> game. That's right. I'm like, man, Jesus Christ, this is bad. But, look, at the end of the day, Michigan is on a mission right now, right, with all of the stuff swirling around them about the cheating <laughs> scandal and all of this kind of stuff. To pull out a win in Penn State like that, I thought it was pretty, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I agree with you. LSU, Florida. You know, for years, it was the big debate about DBU, okay? But who had the most defensive backs? And when you go back, I went and look at it. From 2013 to 2020, both teams had 12 players in that time frame go to the NFL that was drafted players. Mm -hmm. Now, for LSU, the last three years has been two, two, and two. Mm -hmm. Now, they ain't got two this year and, or, or two next year. I don't see it. Uh, so that's going to dry up real quick. But it dried up for Florida even quicker. Yeah. In 2021, they had two. 2022, they had one. Last And this year's draft class had zero. Uh, man, you talk about a drop-off. And what at one time were the real strengths of these teams? Man, their secondary was loaded with NFL yeah. guys. And not only the 12 and 12. LSU had nine undrafted free agent signed contracts in that time frame. Florida had 10. So that's 22 and 21 hitting the NFL in a period of eight years. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> that's a lot of defensive back. Put it to you this way, Herb. I'm willing to take the under that for the next eight years that neither one of these <laughs> teams is going to get close to that, that number. No, nah, man. You got you to gotta remember, so for LSU – you know, for all of those years, they, they were DBU not solely because of the players that they brought in, but because of Corey Raymond. And Corey Raymond would be able to bring these guys in and develop them, and then they would turn into phenomenal uh, SEC defensive backs, NCAA defensive backs, as well as NFL defensive backs. So losing uh, Corey last year was really, to me, was detrimental. And I think one of the reasons why – uh, Coach Brian Kelly let Corey go was because he really thought he wanted to shake things up 
and try something new because of that stat you just said was a couple years ago. We really didn't have um, the, the guys behind the Derek Stingley's that was going to step up and do certain <laughs> things. So, And he wanted to change the monotony a little bit. But, look, Florida, their DBs, I remember playing against Fred Weary, and he was one of the best. Especially in college. He was really good in college. And so, and then if you go down the line each year after that, if you will, from 97, like you said, it's a ton of athletes that love to play for Florida. They love to play for LSU. But I really think that at LSU, we are the legitimate DBU. Because I remember. That started with Saban. That started before Before Saban. Saban. That started before Saban. We had um, Torrey James, um, Denard Walker. Uh, Mark Roman, we had Ryan Ryan Clark, we had we had a ton of guys that was playing with I think, me and I after think me. Mark takes uh, the, the credit for that, but well, I'll throw it to Mark because he he was a big part of that. Mark Mark, Mark Roman, yeah, Mark Roman, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, he was definitely a part of that. Corey Webster, I mean, these, Corey start, came a little bit later. Yeah, you start yeah. going down the line, they, they all still start. They started coming right, and so um, you know, it was it was not cool to come to LSU in 1995. After that class in 1995, Kevin Falk, myself, Rondell Mealy, Booger McFarlane, Todd McClure, Alan Fanica, all of these guys, when you start talking about that making it cool to be from Louisiana and to go to LSU, that's where if you look at it, there's a lot of, you know, Patrick Peterson aside, right? There's a lot of really great, and I, I guess um, um, White, Tredavious White, he's not from Louisiana, but you look at it, a lot of those guys that came, to LSU to play DB were from Louisiana, and they balled out. The other part about it, too, was the fact that <laughs> i never forget Corey. Uh, and I got to visit with him in the summer. He came over to our pro football combine camp, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. David Elias's camp from Martha, L.A. And, you know, we we're talking about the origin of all this, and he was like, man, you know, I, I don't have the best story about how Saban got me to come. But I was a quarterback in high school. Yep. I was a really good basketball player. I was one of the last scholarship players given by LSU at that time. And uh, Nick was, don't worry about it. We, you're going to play receiver here. We're going to put you at receiver. And he said, yeah, I, I played a little bit of receiver. Next thing you know, is like, uh, not so fast. You're going to be playing cornerback. Right. Now, he said, you know, it was the best decision of my life professionally because it gave me life after, after. LSU because yep. he played double digits in the NFL. But he said, go talk to, <laughs> talk to your boy Brandon Jacobs about what happened with him. Right. So Brandon tells me, you know, I'm gonna, I wanted to go to LSU. I wanted to play running back at LSU. He said, but my guy was Marcus Spears. And Marcus was, what you want to play here? He said, running back. He said, man, man you better go somewhere else. I said, why? I said, now, listen, when they come here, Nick told me I was going to play tight, tight end. Right. He said, listen, I'm playing defensive end now. He said, man, take a look at you. You're going to be playing defensive end. He said, you're never going to play running back here. He said, oh, he said, well, coach said I could. He said, yeah, coach told me I could play tight end. Told Corey Webster I could play running. That's right. He said, I'm telling you, he's going to put you where he thinks you belong. Yep. So ended up. Uh, Brandon, well, Brandon had to go to junior college. He ended up at Auburn, and then mm-hmm. it all worked out for him uh, yeah. in that deal. But he said, man, my heart was set on playing running back at LSU. That's what I had dreamed of. And he said, once Marcus told me that, that was, that was it. it. I'm done. He said, man, and a whole bunch of other guys were telling me, man, you coming here, you ain't playing no running back. Look, take a look at you. And you take a look at Brandon Jacobs. Man, he's a man out there. Right. Ain't a lot of running backs built like Brandon Jacobs. No, not at all. And, you know, that's the beauty of, a, of having a coach that can really identify what your strengths and weaknesses are. And, and sometimes you have to relinquish, you know, your own wants and, and thoughts and where you think things should lie and 
which direction it needs to go. Because I think that's one of the things that, um, that really makes certain people flourish. You know, kind of like that situation with Corey Webster, because I think Corey wanted to play, you know, receiver, but he ended up playing cornerback. I remember Josh Reed coming in as a running back. Right. And, you know, the best thing ever could have happened to him was to switch positions and play receiver. And he became one of the all-time greats at LSU and playing very well in the NFL. So it's, it's a tough thing to humble yourself and to change your whole makeup of who you are and change that position and do that. But sometimes it's for the better. And Brandon's son, Braylon, uh, I, think he, I think he's going to Alpharetta High School. He's one of the most highly recruited. He's just a junior this year, but he looks like he's like uh, 28 years old. I mean, he, you talk about a man. I mean, he's six foot seven. He's 320 pounds today, yeah. and he's 16 years old. Uh, and he's one of the most highly recruited offensive linemen in the country. The one place I know he won't go, Michigan. Michigan. Because of who's the coach. Uh, uh, Brandon and uh, Coach Harbaugh well, he's the coach uh, right didn't, now. Uh, didn't quite uh, get along when he was in San Francisco too well. Yeah, he's the coach now. We'll see how everything ends up with all this stuff going on, right? Man, uh, that that because a lot of people think that he has always wanted to go back to the NFL. I don't think he does. But man, I, I don't I don't know about that either because he wants control. He wants total control. He can't control grown men that's making more money than he is. He can't control a person who is a CEO of that company that is given, that's paying him a check, but he can control certain things in college football that makes him successful, which is why you see Michigan doing what they're doing now. Yeah, him and Trent Balke, they didn't get along too well in San Francisco. Yeah. Not Trent's out in Jacksonville. Uh, he's pieced together a pretty good ball club there with the Jaguars. I now. think Jacksonville looks really good. <laughs> really, really good. That's a wrap on our Thibodeau Regional Health Systems Tiger Scout Notebook brought to you by the Sports Medicine Center at Thibodeau Regional Health Systems. Again, thank Greg Stock for everything he does in the area for youth sports and also for the new cancer center that they built a little over a year ago. We'll be back with more of our Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show right after this break here on the Big 870. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're back here on our Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. Mike to tell you along with Herb Tyler. We're at Acme Oyster House, 3535 Perkins Road. Come on by and visit. They got great food and drink specials here. You can watch the, all the games surrounded by televisions. And if you're not going to the LSU Florida game, you can watch it right here. And we want to thank the good people at Map Construction for being our presenting sponsor. On our Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text line from GatorsBreakdown.com, David Waters. David, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Man, if we were really playing for something, it would really be <laughs> a great matchup. And for so many years, this game really meant a lot. And it still means something, certainly to the teams, uh, because of the, the bowl situation. But, man, Herb and I were talking about all the great games we've seen throughout the years. And to see that this may be coming to an end, uh, just because of the scheduling and the way things are going to go in the SEC. Yeah, yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen. I mean, Florida... 
you know, already lost one rivalry with Auburn, you know, that they had for so mm-hmm. many years. Hey, but, you know, thankfully, LSU, Florida and LSU kind of did take over. Florida and Auburn had some, you know, knockdown dragouts for years, and then, you know, we, we lost that game, but then able to pick up LSU, and then you know, almost immediately became a, you know, a rivalry and, you know, kind of reached its heights with Urban Meyer and Les Miles, and you had the oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh eight championships, you know, going through Gainesville and Baton Rouge and the hurricane games and all the rescheduling and all because of that. I mean, it's really, really, you know, ramped up. And, you know, it's really raised up, uh, you know, as far as, you know, the the most looked forward to games for Florida year in and year out. And now kind of give us the, the tone of Gainesville with Billy Napier. He's in year two there. Billy did a great job, University of Louisiana out in Lafayette, building that program up. And kind of like Jesus, I think everybody thought maybe he could put their hands on his hands on the team and resurrect them. It ain't quite worked that way um, at Florida. But what, what is the sort of sense fan-wise for Billy Napier in a year? Yeah. Man, if they lose tonight, man, David, it's going to be tough down the stretch. Um, now, he's had a great recruiting class of commitments. Uh, let's see if he can reel them in. But the, just sort of the tone of what's happening in Gator Nation. Yeah, I think the best way to put it right now is, you know, we're about a season and a half in now. And I think there's either you either still have questions or you've got an answer to some questions and you haven't liked the answers yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, Dave. That's pretty yeah, good. So, you know, I think, you know, maybe an instant turnaround wasn't possible taking over for Dan Mullen. And I think, you know, not my biggest probably detraction so far is maybe a sense of urgency of coming in with Billy Napier so far. You didn't really, you know, like, look, we saw what LSU and Brian Kelly did in the transfer portal last year, and it bring some instant contributors. It make a big difference in year one. Well, Billy Napier chose not to go that route. You know, he didn't go heavy, heavy transfer portal to try and turn the roster around. Uh, he was big on, you know, maybe building through recruiting and, hey, look, if he's going to build that way, I guess patience is going to be needed to see if it if it comes out. But you know, extending that, it's just there's been a lot of game day operational issues that's been the big bugaboo. Uh, if you want to start asking Gator fans, you know, mm-hmm. you are going to be young. If you are going to rely on young talent, well, that means the coaching has to bring those guys through. And we have special teams issues week in and week out, and, and kind of inconsistent offensive play, and then the defense is bad again second season in a row, you know, fourth season overall where that defense has been really, really bad. So um, some of that can be understood, you know, given that you're you're going to go the, the young talent route and, and look, Florida's played more true freshmen than anybody in the country this year, but that must mean the game day operation is top notch and it's not right now. So I do think hey, even if he does fix the talent issues, are all these game day issues that we're seeing week in and week out, is that going to show up when you catch up with LSU and talent and Georgia and talent and Alabama and talent? And if, and if they're not, then you're going lose those games the way you lost against Arkansas West. David, you know, coming into this game, LSU's defense has really struggled. Um, not so much as of late, but last game they didn't play well against Alabama and the Russian quarterback in Milro. Well, now this week you got Graham Mertz coming in, and he's got some, in my opinion, he's got some decent numbers, 2,400 yards passing, 73.9 completion percentage, 17 touchdowns to two interceptions. It's not a bad numbers, in my opinion. So you got Johnson in the backfield. You got Etienne in the backfield. How do you think Florida's offense fares against LSU's defense tonight? 
Yeah, I think given the, you know, stopping the run issues LSU's had this year and, you know, kind of pair that with if there is going to be a path to an upset, it probably is trying to keep Jaden Daniels and that offense on the sidelines. So, you know, that mm-hmm. probably means getting ETN and Johnson going, converting your third downs and your fourth downs. I do think we'll probably see Billy Napier be a little aggressive in this game and going for fourth downs if they make sense just to, you know, keep the offense on the field and keep LSU's offense on the sidelines. So, you know, I do think by the time we look at the end of this game, if Florida plays it close, if Florida maybe somehow pulls the upset, what were Johnson and ETN stats? What were the third and fourth down conversions like for Florida? You know, and then that's, you know, maybe – I think when you play explosive offenses, you know, LSU probably doesn't care about time of possession so much with explosive. (laughs) Not really. Yeah, as explosive as they are. But if you go back at the end of the game and see Florida's rushing stats and they're really good and that kept Florida offense on the field, then maybe you do go back and look at it. Well, maybe in this instance it did play play a part. But I think if you're LSU, you're not necessarily really worried about that. And if if it comes to a shootout, as good as Graham Mertz has played this year, I don't think as an inning to go outdueled. You know, Jake Daniels, and look, maybe that's not a shot at Graham Mertz. There, there's not many quarterbacks that's going to be out there uh, and, and win in the shootout fashion against LSU and Jake Daniels. The lack of a pass rush by Florida for many years, that was a strength for them. Um, yeah. They had great defensive backs just like LSU used to also. And, and yeah. so that sort of changed also. And no more uh, uh, fighting over who's DBU. That DBU <laughs> is probably at Alabama uh, today <laughs> instead. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the lack of a pass rush, man, if you can't get heat on Jaden Daniels, it might be a really long night. Or you take the over in the game because uh, I know LSU's going to give up points. Yeah. And I know they're going to score them. But if you don't get any pressure on Jaden, it's going to be a really, really long night for that Gator defense. Yeah, and yep. that's consistently what we've seen from this game of defense this year. They just haven't been able to, you know, pressure, even tackle for loss in the run game as well. You know, they're just not creating a whole lot of havoc. And as you said, that's been a staple for Florida for so long. Yep. Uh, just being able to in the backfield. And also, hey, like you said, too, now that was a, you know, a, a message I brought up, too. Neither school. I mean, both of them are so far and away from DBU right now, it's not even funny. And you can't – it's it, – and hey, look, and, and the one common denominator right now is Corey Raymond. You know, he it, – That's it right. His – Toward the end of his career at LSU, it kind of fallen down. And hey, look, I think we, we it, it's fair to ask where is that development at Florida right now? I mean, you got experienced corners in Jason Marshall and Jalen Kimber, and they may not be the best corners on the team right now. And, and, and so, you know, where is that development coming from right now? Now, look, he's done a really good job with the safety this year, playing true right there, taking over the whole DB room. Uh, but you're where you're looking for that corner, especially this game. <laughs> you're going to be looking at, you know, maybe Jason Marshall versus neighbors there and then seeing what kind of, you know, outcome there. So, uh, <laughs> Good you know, it's, it's been four years now for Florida with the defense not living up to billing and two years under Billy Napier right now, bringing a new D.C. Austin Armstrong where when Florida started conference play, it's been all. I think we maybe uh, lost him for a little bit there. I want to thank Dave for coming on with us. I think we maybe he's in a bad location. We'll be back with more of our Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger tailgating show. We're live here from Acme Oyster House, 3535 Perkins Road in Baton Rouge. Come on by and visit us. We're on till 430 this afternoon. We'll be back with more of our Tiger tailgating show right here at Acme Oyster House. Finishing up here in our number one of our Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger tailgating show. We're at Acme Oyster House here in Baton Rouge. We want to thank, again, Map Construction for always being a presenting sponsor here 
I think what we got from David um, <laughs> covering the Florida Gators is her, uh, that things were every bit as bad as um, it could be at Florida right now. They really don't have anything they can really hang their hat on, both offensively or defensively. Now, offensively, I think they can run the football when they get a push up front. The problem is sometimes the offensive line has not given them a good push. You got teams stacking up the line of scrimmage, sometimes eight or nine men up on the line of scrimmage to stop ATN, to stop Johnson from running the football. They've relied on Graham Mertz, and Graham throws a lot of short, intermediate stuff. He don't really push the envelope uh, downfield. But defensively, man, heard from, from years ago to today, it's night and day difference. Because that Florida defense at one time, they were bad to the bone. Uh, you can't say that about this defense today. No, they, they. I mean, it looks like the same exact defense on both sides of the field, right? It's just exactly it's leaky, there's holes in it. There's not a lot of confidence. There's not a lot of guys flying around the ball and really not a lot of talent. The other thing is LSU, big advantage at quarterback with a healthy Jaden Daniels and yes. the receiving core yes. with Malik and with Brian Thomas. Um, yes. that, that, that gives you a huge advantage. Huge and I advantage. think LSU's offensive line is better than Florida is at this stage. I agree. We'll be back with more of our Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger tailgating show right after this news break on the Big 870. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 